From Holy Trinity Church in Inwood, New York City, welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where you meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes that make their home here what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we celebrate the 151st episode of Inwood Artworks On Air podcast. Uh, when we hit a milestone after doing 150, we like to take a moment to recognize it. Uh, so if you didn't know it, Inwood Artworks On Air is the only podcast dedicated to profiling the artists that reside here in the neighborhood we affectionately and jokingly refer to, as I say before, upstate Manhattan, which consists of Inwood, Washington Heights, Kingsbridge, Marble Hill, and Riverdale. Um, for this episode, we would like to do something a little bit different and special for our listening audience. Today, the interviewer will become the interviewee. Yes, for once, I am going to be on the other end of the questions. Uh, and you might ask, well, who's going to ask those questions? Well, we couldn't have found a more appropriate interviewer to put me on the hot seat. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to In What Artworks On Air, my mom, Miss Debbie Sims. Hello, Aaron. This is a great, great time to be here. Hi, mom. <laughs> it's great to see you. I know. It's, 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 this is going to be kind of fun. And she literally just flew in, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, especially for this. Yes, thank you. You're... We spare no expense here at Inwood Artworks on Air <laughs> and our, our, our luxurious travel budget. Yeah, and boy, her arms are tired. Um, so uh, that's the only question I'm going to ask is how was your flight and how was everything? Because uh, I'm handing the reins over to you now. Well... First of all, I want to say how proud I am of Inwood Artworks and you and everything that's associated with it. I think it's a, a, a wonderful company and just the artists and everything. It's a wonder, wonderful situation for you. I want to start the interview with let's get to know Aaron questions. I want you to tell me some of your favorites. Like, Aaron, what is your favorite song? Well, my favorite song... Um I'll just go, a contemporary song would be Guns N' Roses, Sweet Child of Mine. Well, that of course, is, that I, leads right to the group and the band. Yes, Guns N' Roses, all-time favorite band, all-time favorite album, Appetite for Destruction, 100%. Posters, you even in high school tried to imitate the band. We did a, we did a, we did a um, and I think, yeah, we did like a putting on the hits kind of thing, lip sync <laughs> thing, like a talent show for... Um, a, yeah, I could put it on the hits thing in yes, high school. Yes, with the wigs. And it was, we had wigs. It was, it was pretty cool. How about your uh, favorite TV show growing up? Ooh, so tough. That is really, really tough. Um, favorite TV show growing up? Gosh, it's hard, it's hard to narrow it down. The first one popped in my head was the A-Team. I don't know why, but uh, that was that was really fun. Although a little bit older, I think I watched that with Dad. And so it was yeah. more like more a Dad show that became my show. Um, but, um, I mean, I loved, I mean, there were so many, like must, the must see TV night was awesome. Cause you had like right. Cosby, uh, family ties, cheers and night court. Like I, I don't like, like the, the masters of comedy at the time. And we all did it together. And we all did it together that as a family. Really like, cool. like we all watched that together. Mm-hmm. So, um, that was awesome. so yeah, I, I hate to say like that. It's hard to choose a single one, but there were how so about, many good ones. How about favorite food? Favorite food? Well, uh, being a faithful uh, Cincinnatian, um, you know, I think it's it's 
well, well, first off, bacon is my most favorite food. Oh. If I had to choose bacon, but uh, I mean, come on, bacon is nature's candy, so that's number <laughs> Everything one. Everything tastes better with bacon. Absolutely. On. So let's just call that, you know, right. that's that's a carte blanche. But you know, I mean, you can't go wrong with a good old, you know, uh, Cincinnati chili, whether it's Skyline or Empress. Um, you choose your Camp Washington or whatever. You can choose your your parlor, but yeah, good old Skyline chili is. But awesome. bacon is international. But bacon's international, and I will gladly eat bacon. Chris bacon, I will say. I agree. Who the I hell agree. likes flimsy bacon? How about your favorite book? Favorite book? Wow. That's uh, also very, very difficult to nail down. Um, of childhood or, or now? I would say over the years, like probably early on. Early early on. Well, yeah, I think early on. Um, you know what's funny? Like I'll go really, really deep early on. Um, I really liked the Alfred Hitchcock Three Investigators series as like a fourth grader. Um, do you remember you used to get, you'd go to the troll books mm-hmm. and, and, and kids? We would get those books and um, you know we'd you, you, you'd be excited to go to the library and order a, a book. And I, I remembered like the Three Investigators, like there was a like murder mystery kind of, which is, I think is probably strange for a fourth grader to like. Um, but because <laughs> really. um, like you know, who who's reading Agatha Christie, the fourth graders, or Alfred Hitchcock? But <laughs> I think I think Alfred Hitchcock did those. I could be wrong. Um, but again, it's only been like thirty some odd years since I read them. Um, but I would say that, and then I think, you know, uh, Tolkien, um, Fellowship of the Ring obviously ranks oh, yeah. super oh, high as far that. as like latter, latter years and, um, but yeah. Um, well, what about your favorite vacation? Uh, vacation spot or just vacation I've been on? Um, probably the, f- your favorite one that you've ever been on. Jeez. I don't take very many. So it's, right. um, so it's very, Which uh, one stands out? Yeah. Um, Wow, that's a really good one too, because I haven't had super many. Well, uh, a great one we had family and Destin was as always. Family is super important to me, so I won't I won't call one year better than another. But I'll say um, going down to Destin, Florida. You know, we'd we'd pack up our van and travel. You know, ten, twelve, thirteen hours from Cincinnati down, and you know, hanging out with our. Uh, cousins and aunts and uncles and, and one year and, we and, have and, 72 people yeah well my point is like we had like we knew like that was kind of thing is like you re- you meet people you didn't know you were related to like am i related to you are you like same floor must be okay great are you're you, all grown up now and Who you're are all you? yes exactly and i heard about you like you've heard the name in the house and all of a sudden and i think that was like there were like there were like week-long family mm-hmm. reunions and so i think our time in destin as a family like probably around like the late 80s Early '90s were like the best times as a family well, vacation. What, kind of stuff. what about your favorite holiday? Which holiday is your favorite? Oh man! Um, other than my birthday, that should be a national oh, holiday, of course. Of course no. <laughs> um, the uh, gosh, that's a good one too. I mean, Halloween was always a great holiday because we'd always have Halloween parties, and um, it was a great chance to um, <laughs> be someone else or be just just have that's fun. Right. And so we'd always have annual Halloween parties. Uh, for years up here in Inwood, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that was yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think I would agree with that for you. Yeah, you always loved the, the dressing up, the costumes, all that. It was it, a creative because creative, yeah, very. Which leads me kind of to the next question. Okay. As a child, you were very, very active and loud, and you always I'm were. Glad running. that changed. <laughs> no, it hasn't changed. Oh, sorry. Always running, never walking. Yeah. Do you remember using your energy to be creative? Like, well, I was thinking of along the terms of like doing, making plays or making up ball games. Do you... Yeah, I, I, I 
the one that comes to mind most of all is that um, I remember, I think I was like maybe in third grade, our, our late victory um, in Cincinnati, um, we had to do like a book report on something and, um, and you could choose to, well, you had a, a bit of presentation of some kind. And, uh, and I, you know, you're in third grade, like, what do you know about presentations? I mean, come on. Um, and I also didn't care much for reading either. That, <laughs> so, so, right. so two things I know how to do, two <laughs> things I know how to make a presentation. And one, the other thing is that I didn't want to read any books because exactly. I was too busy playing and having a great time with my friends down the street doing, you know, playing ghost in the graveyard or kick the can, hide and seek or war in the woods or something. Um, and so, um, I remember um, you had, um, we just, I think we just got a washer and dryer, apparently. And um, there was, you know, the washer and dryer used to come in these big cardboard boxes that essentially looked like washers and dryers. And, um, and we would just, you know, I had them so, uh, and my dad was very much on the cutting edge early entry on the window film business, the tinting windows. And so I remember taking a bunch of mylar that dad had, probably very expensive mylar yeah. and you take and like dad would let us use any tools we wanted to. I had exacto knives as a third grader and cutting up stuff and um, essentially creating and decorating these boxes and creating doors and holes, whatever. And I, I, I made up a story called like Charlie and the time machine um, that was not a book, um, but I told them it was a book <laughs> and, uh, and they, Apparently, never asked. You would think the teachers would ask who the author was. Now I think about it. <laughs> no one ever did. So I blame the teachers on this one. And I remember uh, the whole school was there, and everyone's doing their reports. And I remember putting like this washer and dryer box, all dressed up like a time machine, as I would have one, and proceeded to play. The presentation would be me doing the story of mm -hmm. the Charlie and the Time Machine, mm -hmm. which I essentially made up on the spot <laughs> that probably lasted about close to a half an hour. Uh, if I, I, if I, I remember correctly, they did a timeout. Yeah, <laughs> they probably cut me off. We have to move on. I, yeah, so there's other kids here that have to do their shows. And, <laughs> so, I, and so the, the only production off-Broadway um, off, off of Charlie and the Time Machine. Uh, and so I think that would be, that was pretty, say that was a lot of gumption for for a little kid, uh, for a little kid to yeah. do that, yeah, um, you were eight or nine years old. Yeah, I remember that. And I did that, and that, and it was purely all improv. Right, the creative juices were flowing. Yeah, I don't know what the heck gave me confidence to do that. Well, you, you know, sports was a big part of your life too, and yeah. for for many years, from little on. And I was thinking about you know all your times you were out there in front of people and hitting the hitting a ball or throwing a bat or hitting throwing. someone. Yeah, no, no, you weren't hitting someone. <laughs> well, football. Did, did, do you think this contributed in any way toward your path to, that you chose? It's funny you mentioned that. Um, I, th I remember because I didn't start doing theater until high school. My sophomore year in high school was the first time I did theater. And I had been doing sports since like the fourth grade. And um, it's, it, I remember finding it when I did the first play whatever, like, and because I was only doing sports. There is an aspect of like it's both forward, public forward facing, mm -hmm. and 
I guess you could put entertainment in quotes because you know that everyone was enjoying it. Um, but uh, but you were you were, for lack of a better term, performing your role, whatever it is, on stage, or your role as you know the power forward or the nose tackle on the field. So there was the, there's that sense of performance. Um, but <laughs> you know, again, I'm the beholder who's having the fun. And you you never wanted to stop. You always wanted to keep doing it. You always wanted to keep playing or what you know going on. So it's like performing. You want to get up there and be and do. Um, I was trying to think about when you first got on on stage, and I was thinking, what what was really that feeling of being on stage for the first time? Because it was high school when you were yeah. really on the stage. Yeah, yeah, I do remember it. I I, had, um, I remember I auditioned on crutches for the role because um, I broke my leg the day after the football season and I couldn't do basketball or anything. So, and dad um, always stayed late to do his labs and dad was the ride home. And so he's like, you gotta do something. And so I'm like, thanks a lot. And so I auditioned for this play on crutches and um, I was so green. I remember this true story, like having like they call it sides in theater where, you know, this is your script and it's the person you're reading with has the same script you know, just just of the same scene. And I was reading with someone, and then they go, great, um, now could you guys switch roles? And I go, okay, here. And he, I, 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 I gave him my paper, and he was like, what? And he gave me his begrudgingly. And I was like, and I was like, oh, it's the same lines. Okay, gotcha. I mean, I mean, that's how much I knew. I knew nothing. nothing I knew yeah. nothing. And they cast me, and I remember um, uh, uh, Virginia Chizer was the head of the, the drama program at Oak Hills, Oak Hills High School. And um, I remember being on stage with that that first night, and yeah, the adrenaline was pumping. But there was such great camaraderie. Um, again, the, the team, the team sports analogy. You know, you had your, you knew how the plays. You know, this is how we're designing the play to go on the field. This is how we're designing the show to go on the stage. Mm -hmm. And you played your role, and you played, you you did the best you can. And it was like a game. Like you were, I looked forward to doing my blocking or the next thing that I was supposed to do and didn't want to leave just like a team in sports didn't want to let that person down and you became a family and I just remember just incredibly enjoying myself and um, I remember it was hot and sweaty and all that stuff too but uh, I remember just having the best time and I remember seeing um, my friends who I was became my friends was acting with on stage with me in the scenes and the audience laughing and um, and or whatever getting through it all and uh yeah, it was a it was a special time, and, and you kind of knew where you know this was a, a fun part to belong with. Well, I don't think that was exactly the defining moment because you were just having fun with it. But, yeah, that was just fun. But you did it through high school, and yeah. then you did it in in college. Yep. You decided there there was a defining moment. Yeah. Did you know when that was? Um, the. I remember I took, because um, you had to take core requirements at my undergrad at Butler University, where I went, uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, had a great time there. And uh, we were a very small program, and there weren't a lot of guys. Um, but I, my freshman year, I was undecided. Well, I was liberal arts and science was my major time. And I took a theater appreciation class as part of the core requirements. And Dennis Black, who had New York experience on the Equalizer, 
um, was was teaching the class, and we read something like I don't know over the semester like twenty four plays, and you could tell people were dropping like flies out of this class because um, like because it was like jocks like me and whoever else were taking in, they're like I can't want to I can, who wants to read right? Um, I loved reading these plays. I I loved it, and I asked him after class one day. I was like, hey, you know, is there like a I don't know community theater around here or something like that like on, on campus uh, campus community theater that I could do something with and he's like well actually the directors I told him like I did it in high school I enjoyed it but you know nothing serious and I uh, I remember um, he said go to the directing class um, um, and they're having uh, auditions I think for uh, their directing theses these one act plays and I said oh, okay so I gave my number to whatever and it went in and they, they I remember walking in with like my black jeans my black like nine inch nails t-shirt on and whatever else and boots and 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 there and I the professor brought me in from the directing class and literally auctioned me off like cattle husky <laughs> young man about 6'2 220 uh, you know his number is blah 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 should you want to use him for your show he's available that's all it was I didn't audition to do anything and I got a phone call and uh, the next day, by this woman named Hanalise Hepler, who, believe it or not, I ran to in Columbus Circle like four years ago, randomly. Um, and she needed a guy for her two-person show and uh, had a senior in it. Um, and I auditioned, whatever, and uh, I got the role. And it was like a 20-page or a 20-minute play. And I had monologues, like monologues upon monologues upon monologues. And uh, the... Here I am, Joe Schmo, nobody, coming off the street, and then the theater major, who's a senior, had, like, one line between my monologues, and she's like, yes? And I go, blah, 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 blah. Oh, really? Yes, blah, 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 blah. And, and I think when I did that show, and it was in the round, too, also, tons of, tons of pressure, because there's no scenery, there's no nothing. It's just <laughs> you and the person in the round, and I think there was, like, a baby carriage um, on stage, and that was the only prop. And uh, it was like a it was a drama. And uh, when I when I did that for like however many performances that was over a week or so, that's when I knew like I could do this. Like I I had confidence going like well hell I I I could definitely do this. And then I went to Dan um, Dan Dan Warwick who was chair of a department and I just said to him hey can I take an acting class? And he's like no you have to be in the department we don't do that. There's no like non actor class at the time. And and I said okay. And I just sat and talked to him for like forty five minutes about just me. And I think he saw something in me. I don't know what. And just said, you know, why don't you, why don't you enlist as a theater major next year? And I was like, really? And so I said, we'll put you on probation. And, uh, so that's how, that's how I was able to take an acting class and start my sophomore year as a theater major. And, uh, I got cast oddly enough, Dennis Black, that, um, professor was casting a main stage show that first semester and I auditioned and I got a part in it. And uh, I remember seeing Dan work in the hall after that show. And I just said, hey, when is my audition? Because that's the thing. You had to audition to be. It's a very selective mm -hmm, process mm -hmm. to be in these small theater programs. And I never did. That's what was, that was the drawback while I was on probation. And, uh, and, Dennis, and uh, Dan work. I said, when is my, when's my audition so I can. Because I, like, I felt like I was on thin ice. Like I could go. Like it could have been. Because they do. They weed you out sophomore year. You have to do like a thing. And they. Um, they put you through the grinder and you can stay or go or kick you out of the apartment. He's, and he, I said, you know, when is this? He's like, don't worry about it. You're already in. And that, that, that was your audition, you know, the, the being in the so show that and all the that. So that was, that was the really the big vote of confidence yeah. of saying, so I may have been the only actor to never 
audition for the department and get in at Butler University. <laughs> well, it all worked. You for know, you. but but it worked out, and and I think because like I earned it, like I work, I worked for it, like I worked for it. Well, you mentioned the two men, Dennis Black. And yeah. And of course, Diane Timmerman and Diane was Timmerman. huge influence as my was, acting teacher. I was thinking about back in the day, like though, who was like the most influential to you throughout all this, through all your days, you know, through your sports, through your acting. There were people who stood out. Well, who are characters? You mean? Well, <laughs> you, you had characters. Well, you and Dad, number one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the number one influence you and Dad, but you, Dick Ballard, of course, as a yeah. character as well. Um, I mean, you're in the Midwest. There's a lot of characters around um, different people. Um, uh, but as far as like people I knew, character-wise, well, like, like Dennis Black's p- picking up. Oh, you on mean that. professionally speaking, and, like people? well, just that brought you along. E- even even the sure. like well, Mrs. Chizer at the Mrs. high school. Chizer at the high school. Skip Adonsky, who a senior Skip. year, um, took over the high school program. Right. I mean, as far as theatrical speaking, of course, Ginny Chizer from from Soup the Nuts. You know, Ginny Chizer. Skip Badonsky, um, and then you had uh, your coaches who who, well, well, all the who coaches, backed you. Sure, and, I mean, of course, I was just talking about drama stuff. Yeah, wise, like, well, I mean, just all, David you know, Mold kind of and all Apollo led too. you here, actually. And then, uh, but of course, like all the coaches um, we had at uh, throughout. I mean, Dad started coaching me early on. Um, you had little Highlanders people who were great, um, and um, even people at Victory who were great. Um, I don't remember. I mean, as far as like singular influence people, like coach-wise, pushing. I mean, Kenny Hawk's a great coach who was up seeing at Oak Hills with us, and Bob Klotz and those guys were um, Jerry Dean and Hans. And, um, and then you went in college. But there, there's uh, uh, David, um, the one David Mold. David Mold. Said. Yeah. I, like I said, yeah. Uh, I, couldn't, was... I couldn't get to him because he came. David came last. And the um, Dan Pugh, of course, mm-hmm. um, who did costumes, and then that's the thing about Butler was great is that you know you did everything, you you hung the lights, you sewed the costumes, you you directed shows, you wrote shows, you you acted in somebody else's show while you directed their other show, or they directed you in a show. Um, but yeah, um, I don't think I'm leaving anybody back. Dennis Black, of course, Diane Terman, um, David Mold, um, Dan Warwick, Dan Pugh. Um, that whole group was yeah. was, was very yeah, was very foreign than than the Milwaukee the rep people after that. Were well, you huge know, um, for me. It, it all it all kind of led you here, and that was a great transition. Yeah. Because you didn't come here right away. Right. And you worked your you worked very hard yeah. at home to make some money so that you could come here. Right. Do you recall that transition? How how that went? Because I, re- I remember a young <laughs> young boy calling me from New York City saying, "Hey, I'm on the I'm on the street on Broadway," and then I'm looking up at the yeah Empire that State came out of Milwaukee. Film. That was that was when I visited for the first time in '99 um, because I spent a year at Milwaukee Rep, mm-hmm. and that's when I knew I belonged um, professionally speaking. Like there was like the pre chapter. Like you know, the pre-Milwaukee mm-hmm. rep, like up to, well, to the end of end of graduate uh, undergrad at Butler, you know, it was all like you know, you knew you wanted to do this, but until you did it for real, you know, like first equity show was Amadeus at Milwaukee Rep, and um, you know, but you came here, and then we and came knew here, no one. but 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 and we didn't know anybody. That we, was I, I, knew, I knew of people, but <laughs> point is like that's why I was saying Milwaukee Rep stuff is like it's important to, to reference that because that's where I understudied and and acted on stage with the. the some of the best actors you maybe never heard of. Mm-hmm. And those are the people who are the real, you know, uh, who I aspired to be um, colleagues with. 
and, um, and learned from and tried to give as much as I could back to them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then so that, that time of, um, you know, you know, being a journeyman in the Midwest, like that, those we'll say from 99 to 2002, um, you know, doing the Shakespeare festivals, jobbing, like doing Shakespeare festivals in Western Wisconsin and doing it in theater, West Virginia and doing stuff in Dayton, Ohio and, and jobbing around like you're supposed to be doing and, mm-hmm. and in Cincinnati, um, and doing the gigs and knowing like, you know, meeting people who hopefully, but yeah, but I knew that Chicago wasn't right for me. LA would never appealed to me cause I want to do theater and theater, like Chicago was a good theater town, but it wasn't, just never felt quite right for me. And um, the actors who I did meet and, and those and those gigs around, I, I liked the careers that, you know, their trajectories. And so, yeah, when I came to New York, I, and I remember getting my, my plane tickets, tested out for like five days, and I felt at home here. And, um, and then made enough, you know, went back to Cincinnati and hustled working three or four jobs and made enough money to, Put in my backpack uh, you know, for two months and came here a sublet in Hell's Kitchen for two months. And um, off the plane, I got my first audition from my buddy Greg, who um, was in a small theater company down at um, McDougal Street at Manhattan Theater Source. You guys remember that, maybe. And um, we did that and got the first audition, got the, worked the first gig, and met my buddy who was living here in Inwood. And then when my sublet ran out of Hell's Kitchen, he's like, What's your plans? And I got another gig. Um, and my, my second audition, I booked that. And so like the stars were telling me like, you know, you book your first two gigs in New York. It's kind of unheard of. And I was like, this feels right to me. This feels like I'm supposed to be here. And, um, and so I've, you know, started hustling for gigs as you know, for day, day working gigs and, um, you know, moved to Inwood at the end of May of 2003 after being in the Hell's Kitchen for like two months. And I've been in the same place since May of 2003. Uh, and in wood. That and was this has one been of home the luckiest since. breaks. Yeah. Because who would have ever dreamed that such a wonderful company like Inwood Artworks would come out of all that work and all the studies that you've done, going to Columbia, getting your master's, and le- getting a, getting better in, at business too. Because you, but would you ever have dreamed that you would end up meeting so many talented people and putting putting them out here there before the public? No idea. No, no idea. I mean, I've considered myself a fairly social person, but we liked our private time too, alone and stuff. You are but, definitely um, a people person. Oh, is that right? You think yes, so? I oh, think okay. So. I, can, I can vouch for oh, that. Oh, you can vouch for that? All right. Sounds yes. good. Yes. Um, but uh, no, because that was part of the evolution of the craft I didn't know about. I didn't know that I'd be a producer person. Uh, but I always kind of, the funny thing is, because like, you're saying I was the person doing the doer, mm-hmm. but then I, I have, but, also the, but also the dreamer. And I happen to somehow be able to do both, to dream it and do it. And it all goes back to that energy of that little boy <laughs> <laughs> that never stopped. Yeah. And, and it's, it's turned out to be a wonderful and thing. And we haven't stopped yet. So Inwood Artworks is kicking strong here. I think we're, we started in the eye, we started doing back porch shows, I think around 2012 or so. Um, you know, literally vaudeville and variety shows on the back porch of our apartment building. Hence the ingenious name. Um, and then, uh, but in the eyes of the IRS and everything, after the first, 2016 was the first film festival. So you can kind of say in what artwork set its roots earlier. And then, you know, in the eyes of the IRS and everything, we started in 2017. Mm-hmm. But we started, we really started, like we, the paperwork's in 2017, but we really started around 2016. So yeah, we're closing in on eight years as a real professional knock on wood bona fide outfit it's, it's and awesome. uh 
And I, I, we're just proud to be a little part of it. Just watch, kidding me? Watching it grow. You're the big part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been really fun. Well, I guess it was for you. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about for me, uh, but no, it has been fun. And it's, it's a treasure to have you. This is a special time. It is special. And, and I'm glad you decided to take me up on my offer to interview myself. You're always hey. trying to get me into something. Well, <laughs> you know what? If David Letterman, David Letterman can get his mom to do something, <laughs> I can get you to do something, too. You're both Hoosiers. Yes. And so, oh, yes. And so that's a good thing, too. But, yeah. well, I am incredibly proud. For, I mean, I couldn't do it without your and dad's support because I will say this. And for those who listen out there, there's nobody in my family in the arts on either side going back to England or Ireland or Germany. Um, nobody. Uh, so to have your mom and dad support you unequivocally through and through, not to say they didn't question my choices, <laughs> not <laughs> but, really, uh, not really because you always came through. You always, you, you planned it, you did it and it all worked and we're, and it's still working out mm-hmm. and you're still supporting too. So oh, absolutely. thank you for, taking your time and um, your, your, your Concord's ready to Anytime. go back. Yes. Well, <laughs> we'll say your Concord is almost scheduled to take you back to Cincinnati so shortly. Um, so I want to thank my mom, uh, Debbie Sims, for joining me on this special edition of Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where I meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes that make their home here in Upper Manhattan. If you have a moment, please show us some love right now and rate this podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts. It really does help. Many thanks to Holy Trinity Church here in Inwood for hosting us and to Heightsites.com for Uptown promotional support. And you can support On Air and all of our programming by making a tax-free donation at InwoodArtworks.nyc backslash donate or via Venmo at Inwood Artworks. We need your support, so please help us. Be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up with what we do, including the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Al Fresco, public art galleries, live performances, and so much more. And Inwood Artworks On Air is proud to be supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. Our programming is made possible by the New York State Council on the Arts with the support of the Office and the Governor and the New York State Legislature. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air.